Explain proof of stake to my mom. Either you can prove that something is right by doing something really difficult, or you can just give someone something of worth so they have to trust you. Basically, like a pawn shop, you give them something and that's why, why they trust you, not necessarily because you signed something. Welcome to First Mover on Coindesk. On this show, you get all of your top news headlines, deep dives into specific topics, and interviews with industry heavy hitters. Let's get right into it. Today, we're going to break down the Bitcoin halving before we get to our interview. The Bitcoin halving cycle refers to the recurring event that reduces the blockchain rewards paid in Bitcoin and given to miners for validating transactions and creating new blocks on the blockchain. Basically, the halving decreases the rate at which new Bitcoins are introduced into circulation and hence maintains the scarcity of it as a whole. This happens about every four years when the number of total blocks on the Bitcoin blockchain reaches a certain threshold that is currently set at 210,000 blocks. So what does this mean for the price of Bitcoin? Well, when the supply of a good slows down while the demand remains constant or increases, the price of that good consequently rises. Similarly, the general consensus is that the Bitcoin halving events are positive for the price of Bitcoin and often generates optimism among investors. However, it's important to note that the magnitude of these increases may diminish with each subsequent halving. One industry that is directly affected is Bitcoin mining, as the immediate halving of rewards for new blocks can drastically impact Bitcoin miners' revenue and profitability. To prepare for the event, miners might look at diversifying their business, securing newer and more efficient machines, or larger companies might start acquiring smaller companies to figure out how to keep both alive, leading to industry consolidation. Staked ETH is at all-time highs and is continuing to grow. So what does this mean for the Ethereum ecosystem? Joining us now to discuss is Nansen Senior Research Analyst, Nick Polk. Let's talk about the Ethereum ecosystem and staked ETH. And let's start at the very beginning for our audience. Just briefly explain to me what staked ETH is, how does it work, how are people uh, staking their ETH and then receiving incentives for that? So basically, um, with the Shanghai update, um, now you can also unstake ETH before you could only stake it. So basically, staked ETH is used to secure the network since it shifted from um, yeah, proof of work to proof of stake. You need something kind of to, to some sort of collateral to make sure that the um, network is secure. And this is the process of ETH staking. And there are several ways you can do that. Um, you can either spin up your own validator and stake um, 32 ETH minimum. But since at these prices, it's uh, not for everyone. There are different methods where you can only stake one ETH or, or half an ETH, um, which basically then goes through a third party. Um, either what is most common is like a, a centralized exchange where you can basically um, have, for example, Binance or Coinbase stake uh, your ETH for you or decentralized options where the biggest one by far is Lido where you can give them your um, ETH and they stake it for you. And in return, you get um, an LST, which is a liquid staking token, which represents the ETH you gave them and which is a token in itself where you can do various things with. And you can earn rewards for staking your ETH and that's similar to interest. You can um, 
you can earn Correct. in the traditional yes. finance world. Talk to me about why eat staking has become so popular now, because if, if my understanding is correct, the incentives aren't as high as they once were. Yes, correct. So um, right now the incentives are, I think, somewhere between 3 and 4% annually. And basically, basically this comes from the network usage. So you get paid a bit on um, ETH inflation, but also if you pay to use the network, um, this money then in turn goes to the ETH stakers. Um, and this percentage is indeed not high, but where it becomes interesting is um, that once you staked your ETH um, and you get, for example, the, the basically receipt token or the LST staked ETH from Lido, and what you can do is you can stake that again and earn additional yields where these three to 4% um, go as high as uh, 20 to 30%. And this is uh, then again, very attractive for many investors. I know staking um, it came into the purview of regulators in the United States last year. They were talking about staking. Uh, has there been any movement on the regulatory front? As you already said, um, it's a bit of a, of a scrutiny. And especially for the centralized players who are regulated by the US, um, it becomes a bit difficult. For example, Kraken had to basically discontinue their each staking business and had to withdraw all the ETH they staked and um, redistribute it to the people that, that put it in. Um, I think Coinbase is, is still offering it and they've been actively resisting it. Um, but to my knowledge, it's uh, still a bit up in the air, but many people basically then resorted to the decentralized options instead, especially since um, they're the options to earn additional yields on your staking. Um, are a bit better than for the centralized counterparts. Well, we're talking about all-time highs, so it seems like even if there was some regulatory scrutiny, people are still participating in the product. Now, we have a foundation for staking, and now we want to introduce restaking into the conversation. Um, I've spoken to the folks at Eigenlayer here on this show, but Eigenlayer has become a really popular restaking protocol. Talk to us about what restaking is and uh, how that now becomes part of the conversation. So basically what restaking is that you can use your staked ETH that you already staked to get basically a receipt token for it. And you can use this to secure another network on top. So basically with your Ethereum, you not only secure the Ethereum network, but another network as well. For Eigenlayer, for example, this could be the EigenDA, the Eigen Data Availability Layer that will then be secured by the already staked ETH, basically. So you're double dipping with your Ethereum and additional yield. And since the project, I, I really, really like the project. I really like the idea. Um, and they do not have a token yet, um, but you can basically already earn points. And at some point in the future, you will be able to exchange these points for the token or they add up to the token, depending on how many points you have. Um, so people are already heavily speculating on this and um, kind of assigning the token of value and uh, yeah, trying to earn as many points as possible, um, which is why they are so eager to, to participate in the staking in order to restake basically. And I think Eigenlayer as of now has attracted around $8 billion worth of uh, staked ETH already. Uh, it's quite impressive. Um, yeah, and this, I think almost, like not quite, but I think almost 10% of all uh, staked ETH um, is in, in Eigenlayer. Why do you think ETH staking has become so popular, Nick? 
I think a lot of people like myself, or like, at least I hope a lot of people like myself, are just in general, um, yeah, just just really like Ethereum, and they have ETH lying around. They believe in the project. They believe in the price going up. And uh, yeah, if you have it, you might as well put it to work. And uh, this is just the the best option to do it. And I know when it comes to restaking, we talk a lot about Eigenleader, but there's also a Pendle that's jumped into the narrative. Tell us a little bit about that. So basically, Pendle is a DeFi protocol that enables you to not um, necessarily speculate on the price of an asset, but on the yield of an asset. So you can basically um, speculate that uh, the yield or like the APR you will earn with an asset will go up or down. Or if you're on the other side of that trade, you can say, ah, I want to kind of fix my yield for the next five months. I think it might go down. So let me just fix it um, at a certain rate. And these two people get together. Some people that think it's going to be higher than now. Some people that think it's going to be lower and, and want to basically stay at a, a level close to now. And this, um, in combination with Eigenlayer or other restaking protocols, enables people to predictably earn yield on Ethereum. That's pretty interesting. Do you think we're going to see more projects like Pendle pop up as staking and restaking become more popular? I do think so. I don't only think that other projects like Pendle will pop up, but I also think projects built on top of Pendle um, will pop up. Um, as that is the case in, in DeFi in general, like Eigenlayer is kind of built uh, on top of um, the staking DeFi, then Pendle uses Eigenlayer again, and then something I'm sure will, will pop up on top of Pendle. There are already some projects that do that, but I expect to see more of that. You know, there's all this talk about the potential for a spot ETH ETF approval sometime this year. Some are thinking maybe May. How do you think staking and restaking might come into the conversation when it comes to the spot ETH ETF? Do you think that this feature of the Ethereum ecosystem might make the spot ETH ETF more desirable to folks, maybe make it even more successful than the spot Bitcoin ETF? I think in the long run, they will probably incorporate some sort of, of staking for the for the ETH they, they offer. Um, to the option if it makes it more desirable than the BTC ETF, um, I don't know. I think the BTC narrative is very powerful as well. And um, if you kind of offer an ETF, like you also have to think about how to, to sell it to other people. Um, and they're like all these technical terms why BTC is such a great asset to basically have in your portfolio via this ETF, um, which I think is not quite as strong for Ethereum. So I'm, I'm not quite sure. I think there are several factors that um, might cancel each other out, but um, staking is definitely a positive for the ETF. And very quickly before we wrap up, what do you think needs to happen to make staking more mainstream. You know, when you explain staking, it sounds like something that Web3 natives, folks who have operated in the crypto space for a long time, can do. And maybe it comes a little bit easier to them. They might understand how to do that. Um, I know you mentioned there are centralized exchanges that allow you to stake less than 32 ETH. But what really needs to happen for anyone, you know, the mainstream person who's maybe a little crypto curious, who's dabbled in Bitcoin and Ether to stake Ether and participate in some of the rewards and benefits that we've been chatting about? I think um, when the when just the general UX for, for DeFi becomes a bit better, then I think it will really take off. Since 
um, as you already said, the centralized exchanges offer already staking and a lot of people that have ETH on centralized exchanges just stake it there. Um, but uh, they just get these three to 4%. But if you somehow manage to have like a very accessible UX to these DeFi protocols that offer 20 to 30%, um, then I think it might uh, really take off. Nick, thanks so much for joining the show today. It's time now to take a look at the chart of the day. The chart of the day is presented by Crypto.com, the leading crypto platform trusted by over 80 million users worldwide. 2023 was a watershed year for ransomware. That's according to a report by Chainalysis. 2023 saw record-breaking payments and a substantial increase in the scope and complexity of attacks, a reversal from the decline we saw in 2022. Ransomware payments surpassed the $1 billion mark last year, with the data analytics firm saying this is the highest number ever observed. The attacks were carried out by large syndicates, smaller groups, and even individuals. Chainalysis says that data also suggests that there is an increasing number of new players who are attracted by the potential for high profits and low barriers to entry. That's a wrap for First Mover. Thank you to our guest today. As a note, we sometimes edit interviews on this show for length and clarity. If you want to get more news headlines, head on over to Coindesk.com. I'm Jensen Assey. This is First Mover. We'll see you next time.